Hello everybody, before you listen to this episode, just a quick disclaimer. So, when we were recording this episode, we were still recording from separate locations, because COVID, and things were going great, until they weren't. And by that, I mean <laughs> all of my audio from the halfway point just vanished. Everything of Allison's is there, but mine is gone. So I want to sincerely apologize <laughs> because the middle part of this episode is going to be re-recorded and it might sound a little different. Thank you. We love you anyways. Back to the back to our show. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to the Wench Bench, where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Fonda. And my name is Allison. So today, Allison is going to be talking about Lieutenant O'Hara. Yay! Woo! Yes, I am. And for those of you who don't know, Lieutenant O'Hara is from the Star Trek series. One of Allison and Nick's favorite TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> This is actually probably our second favorite crew lineup. Uh, the Next Generation still holds number one as far as my favorite kind of runs of Star Trek go. But the original series was incredible and is still considered like one of the most iconic science fiction shows. And I think that the kind of topics and things that they touched on really are why it carries on still as being so groundbreaking in its field and in its genre is because they do like get into a lot of interesting topics but they put on a nice shiny science fiction layer so that it softens the edges a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you know anything about Star Trek or the Star Trek world, Fonda? Very little. I would say what I know is like base pop culture level of Star Trek. I know there's been tons of spinoffs of Star Trek. I know that a lot of people like Spock. <laughs> a lot of people really like the Russian character Chekhov. Yes. He, I think he's really, at least in the newer ones, I don't know if what the character is like or if he exists in the older series, but I really like the character and how he's portrayed. He's kind of like cute. Yes. And I feel like wholesome. And besides that, I really don't know a lot. I know it's about space and they like to help people and I know that there's a lot of like space government conflicts sometimes with them dealing like intergalactically with other races and communities and how they deal with things culturally. I know that is an aspect of it. Yes. But that's as far as my knowledge goes. Okay, so I'll explain a little bit about the world of Star Trek. Star Trek is like ultimate utopian future. This is a future that I think like everybody imagines when you think of a world where you want to eventually live. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Star Trek kind of follows a crew on the Starfleet ship, the Enterprise. Now we're going to get into 
Lieutenant Neota Uhura. Yes, please. As quite a few of our listeners will probably know, Neota Uhura is a black woman. And so in this future, that type of racism and sexism doesn't really exist because we as a society have moved past it. But they still find ways to bring in those kinds of struggles and those kinds of issues into the story without having it necessarily be her needing to struggle with that. So it's very interesting. Okay. She's portrayed by Nichelle Nichols, starting with the original series in season one that came out in 1966. She also continued to portray the character through six different Star Trek films. Oh, that many. Yes. Oodles. Solid. Mm-hmm. And then eventually she would go on to be portrayed by Zoe Saldana in the 2009 remake. That's the one where I think was the first time I've seen Star Trek in theaters. Yes. Yeah. So when would you say you first started to really enjoy Lieutenant Uhura. Was it because like I don't necessarily know what your first experience or story plotline was where she was introduced to you because for me it was in the reboot series. So my husband has always been a fan of Star Trek and we decided I think it was one Christmas break we decided to watch all of the movies And so he had just bought them all on Blu-ray and we're like, okay, we're going to go spend some time in his hometown and it's Christmas holidays. We might as well watch some awesome science fiction movies because his dad, it was also a big fan of Star Trek. So we watched them all. And so I got to know her through her original six movies. And then we watched the Next Generation movies. And then we watched the Next Generation because it was on Netflix. So... Then I fell in love with the world of Star Trek and the idea of it. And then when we moved into our new house, we didn't have internet for a while. And so we decided to watch through all of the original series, which we had also (laughs) just bought on Blu-ray. And I absolutely loved it. We did nothing but watch Star Trek and build our Lego sets because he and I are both fans of lego as well of course you are yes so it was this really fun time and i was shocked at how progressive the show was for something that came out in the 60s like it was it was super fun and interesting to kind of look at it and that's my favorite part of star trek is being able to watch an episode and then talk about how that applies to the real world like what were they alluding to what was this a metaphor for and that's actually some of the things that we're going to be getting into later there's a few moments of ahura that i find are really good metaphors for things that have happened in the real world but before we get to that yes uh a little more just basic information on her. She is a translator and communications officer. She specializes in linguistics, cryptography, and philology. She is also fluent in Swahili. Oh. Actually, uh, fun fact, at one point when her mind is wiped in the show, that is the only language she can speak. Okay. And so she goes back to speaking her native tongue. Aww. Even though she can't, so she doesn't speak English, she doesn't speak any of the other languages she knows but i thought that was really cute she is seen multiple times taking command 
of both the science and the navigation stations when those crew members are not present and she has led searches and taken command when higher ranking crew are not on board. In one episode, she actually rewires the entire communication system to work around a blackout. So she's extremely capable and they give her a lot of moments to show her value and the reason why she's on board because she's she's an equal on the on the bridge. On the bridge. On the bridge. Feels so fancy. Why why is it called the bridge? I know that there has to be a reason for it, but like I never understood why they would call it I think it just... Or for any sort of quote-unquote ship thing, they're like, it's either get on the deck or on the bridge. I'm like, what? why can't we all use the same term for the same platform? I think it comes from actual old like sailing vessels. So I actually think that it's brought from uh, like... Okay. They bring forward like a lot of uh, like sailing terminology and stuff like that into Star Trek because it is, it's essentially like bigger scale they're sailing through space (laughs) yeah like bigger scale adventurers going off into the into the oceans to discover new lands and far off places okay okay thank you for explaining that (laughs) i have some other facts about uh her portrayal and her significance as a fictional female in history And I tried to find the most up-to-date information, and I will, Fonda will link my sources in the episode description. I'll talk about them a little bit later, too. But if any of these are wrong, I tried really hard, but there are, because it's so old and new information is coming out and everything, it's kind of hard to figure out, like, the the actual truth. (laughs) But um, here we go. She is the first African-American woman to play a lead role on television. I believe that this is actually true because she's actually also one of the first African-American women to not be in a service role on television as well. Because as I mentioned, she's in an equal role. She's not a maid. She's not anything like that. Yeah, she's not there to service men or white women. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Uh, A few accolades given to... Both the character and the actress are Screen Rant voted her 16th best Star Trek character overall. Like, of all the Star Trek characters. Oh! Um, they also ranked her as second most attractive Star Trek character. <laughs> right <laughs> right in between <laughs> Benjamin Sisko and Jean-Luc Picard. Well, I can understand that because, as I said, I never watched the original source material, the original stuff for anything Star Trek related. But obviously we live in a digital age and I've seen tons of like gifts of Lieutenant Uhura. I've seen tons of sources of other people either referencing the character or talking about the character. Mm-hmm. So like I visually know what she looks like and she is a very attractive oh, yes. character on the show. And the actress herself is seems in my opinion from what i have seen for the source material very confident in herself yes yeah and her own capabilities with this role so she definitely gives the vibe of a woman who is confident who's ready to succeed to take the day what like whatever comes her way visually when i see the character she looks like someone who 
is not timid. Not at all. She is, her confidence is actually one of the things that stands out, I think, the most to me. And that's me watching it now. I cannot imagine back in the 60s seeing a woman of color playing with such confidence and standing up to a crew of other white men and actually being taken seriously. I think it's just, her character truly is groundbreaking. And... Well, especially probably for any young actress at the time who was also African-American or who just wasn't white. You know what I mean? Like to see this female character, to see this female actress get this opportunity, portray it, to see something that would be groundbreaking for this time. I can only imagine how that must feel. And I don't think I'm going to know how that feels, if I'm going to be honest, because I am white I I mean, mm-hmm. I'm lucky to say that I don't come across situations where it's shocking to me to see someone that looks like me be on screen. Exactly. We're very, we're very privileged and we recognize that. Yes. And, um, but I'm so, I think, I just think that's so great. Like I hope so cool. that continues to be a trend where other people will talk about the characters that first inspired them that they saw on screen yes and actually one of those young women watching Uhura oh, oh. was the one and only Whoopi Goldberg oh hey yes and she has been in interviews and she recalls telling her family about seeing a black woman on television that wasn't a maid oh and she would like she just was so excited to see her up on screen i wonder if she had happy tears Mm -hmm. you know what i mean well she would eventually Uh. go on to play gynan in the next generation oh so she actually is another fabulous fictional female from the star trek world oh hey and just so so incredible and then eventually Whoopi Goldberg goes on to inspire Leslie Jones from SNL Ghostbusters all that stuff so it comes full circle it does you just get to watch this line it's so cool women inspiring other fabulous women to do fabulous things yes okay and even more than that very excited even more inspirational oh nichols you're gonna make me feel even more good (laughs) about other women okay yes nichols would also eventually go on to be employed by nasa to encourage women and african americans to join Many female astronauts have talked about how Uhura inspired them. Oh, that's, I'm, okay, keep going, I'll say, uh. (laughs) One in particular named Dr. Mae Jemison, uh, who was the first black woman to fly aboard the space shuttle, was one of those. And in The Next Generation, she got to play a transport officer named Lieutenant Palmer and was the first of several real-life astronauts to play a role on the show. Oh, you know, I just... <laughs> this makes me feel very wholesome, and I am just... You know, this is a good story. <laughs> you could just end the episode here, and I'd be like, yep, Lieutenant Uhura inspired millions of wonderful women both in the in the acting field in the science field mm-hmm. in the space exploration field we could just end it yes. here. i know we're not and she didn't but i'm just saying 
it's very good. She didn't just inspire women. <gasps> she also inspired President Obama. Oh! A confirmed Trekkie. Oh! And he actually admits to have had a crush on a hero when he was younger. Oh, Obama. Oh, yes. I, okay. <laughs> we could end it now. <laughs> now that you've given me that information. Yeah, inspiring presidents, astronauts, actresses. Writers, probably. Writers. Like, uh, probably mus- countless women in STEM. Musician. Like. I'm sure there's plenty of people who could put both the actress and the character down on a list for inspiration in one way or another. And that's amazing to me. Yes. So cool. Uh, I do have some more facts about the character. She was a part of one of the first scripted interracial kisses between a fictional white male and a fictional black female on American television. What? Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, they claimed to be the first interracial kiss on American television, but that's been disputed since there were other kisses that happened before. But this seems to be the most widely well-known and seen and recognized one. So even though it wasn't necessarily the actual first, this is the one that really made a splash. Got it. It was the first... As it were. It was the first one who had the bigger impact. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. We'll talk about the kiss in a little bit more detail later (laughs) because it is a very complicated story, Ah. but we'll get into it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The name Ahura is inspired by this Swahili word for freedom and Neota means star. So star freedom. Roddenberry saw diversity in his casting with Nichelle Nichols and George Takei. And having two of your main characters be of different ethnic backgrounds, one is African-American and one is Japanese-American, was a pretty huge deal at the time. Even at the time, just having female characters be a like an actual central driving point beyond just romance, mm-hmm. that in itself was huge as well. Uh, there were a few other regular women on the crew, including Yeoman Janice Rand and Nurse Chapel, played by Majel Barrett, who is the wife of Gene Roddenberry. Mm. Back to Lieutenant Ahura. One of the few downsides to her character was that she was basically more or less a telephone operator, which was a very normal career for women at the time. Oh. But baby steps, I guess. She did do more than that, but like that's kind of... I think a lot of people look back on it now and they're like, oh, well, like they could have done more. Mm -hmm. But at the time, what they were doing was so much. Yeah. So I get it. I personally found that most of the original series followed Kirk and Spock and Bones. But the rest of the cast, including Uhura, was really like a highlight. And they made the stories feel so much more honest and Mm -hmm. kind of all-encompassing having everybody work together and do those kinds of things and so i think that supporting cast and television shows are very important and we do get to see a lot more of her character come into play in the movies a little bit more and i think that that also comes down to them as a crew getting more and more comfortable in yeah yeah in their characters My last fun fact, before we get into talking about a few more of her specific standout moments, 
is that after the first season, Nichols was going to leave the show <gasps> until she met Martin Luther King Jr., who convinced her that what she was doing was important and that her leaving the show would end up being a huge mistake because Star Trek was one of the only shows he and his wife would allow their children to watch due to the fact that she was on it. He was quoted as saying, you don't have a black role, you have an equal role. And it's just showing more and more the importance of representation that Mm -hmm. we've talked about in earlier episodes and how normalizing seeing these things that are normal just has such a huge effect and a huge impact on society kind of overall and martin luther king saw that and after he said that she decided to stay and continued on with all the movies and the other two seasons and just in general thank you martin luther king for making sure that she stayed on the show to continue doing the job of inspiring people thank you very much Mm -hmm. so now we're on to the other stuff So I'm just going to kind of cherry pick some of her most awesome moments rather than trying to give you a whole rundown. Because as I mentioned, it does really follow Kirk, Spock, and Bones the most, but she has some... Yeah. Are these moments that you cherry picked ones that are considered within the fandom and amongst other people in the community that they view as being Lieutenant Uhura's like shiny moments are they your personal a little bit of both okay a bit of a mix exactly a lot of the things that i am going to be saying are either my own opinions or sometimes they're opinions of friends that i've talked to people posts things that i've read throughout the fandom and then also a few from actual publications different kind of websites those kinds of things because star trek is such a wealth of conversational topics it is just full of things that you can talk about and these are just just a few in an episode titled charlie x a character named charles evans who has no knowledge of social norms but has the power of telekinesis ends up terrorizing the ship he becomes infatuated with janice rand And when they are together in the recreation room, listening to Spock and Ahura perform a song, uh, he becomes offended by the song and he actually takes away Ahura's voice for a time. What? Like, how does he take her voice away? Is it just like a thing that as his alien? It's his mind powers. Oh, okay. (laughs) Freaking fine. Have mind powers. (laughs) God damn it. He also makes advances on Rand, and when she refuses him and fights back, he makes her disappear. So he's problematic. Yes. To say the least. Eventually, an alien race called the Thasians show up and take him away, because Charlie is clearly too dangerous to live among humans. This episode has a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah, it does. (laughs) Because the character of Charlie is very aggressive and very just misunderstanding the idea of the females on the ship being human he just sees them as objects that he's attracted to and when a her is singing which is actually michelle nichols singing because she's an incredible 
singer. She has a beautiful voice. Oh. Um, she makes up a song about Charlie. Mm. And that's how it offends him. Because Janice is paying more attention to Uhura than she is to him. And so then he, like, takes away her voice. Which, the main thing here that I want to unpack is... I think kind of a new way to look at this. It might not be. I mean, plenty of other people might have thought about this years ago, but I've seen this on different forums and stuff about the fact that a woman of color literally had her voice taken away. Yeah. Yeah, which is a problem in many feminist movements where any woman of color is kind of talked over a lot and that's by like other women that's not even counting all of the men that speak over them and treat them as if their their voice does not deserve to be heard yeah no i'm glad you bring it up because that's what i was thinking like as soon as you said her voice got taken away i was like we just talked about this character's impact as not only a female lead but as a female black woman Mm-hmm. And then we just go into this fact that a man, an alien man with mind powers chooses to, like, without even any, like, it's it's not like, I I just, it's not like there were, there was no consequences. You know what I mean? Yeah. As we mentioned, we both come from a place of privilege, but, like, just thinking of it as, like, a white woman having somebody just take, having a man take my voice away with experiences that... I've had in my real life it's like it kind of like hits you in that weird way the same way when Janice turns him down when she's like hey like I don't like I don't want this and he just like makes her disappear it's like these are like these are the actual physical consequences that many of us as women fear in general Mm -hmm. a man having the power to do that to you metaphorically or literally it's still like the same amount of fear so that's just a really one of I found one of the most like impactful of her moments because yeah it was it was a lot (laughs) during the episode titled the naked time a strange illness begins to affect the crew and make them act crazy at some point in the episode sulu who is currently believing that he is some sort of swashbuckling pirate takes her a hostage while he's running around the ship without a shirt on and with like a rapier (laughs) this is it's okay (laughs) so this is a trope in star trek that i love which is like the quintessential horny star trek episode ah horniness yeah yeah there's like it might be every season or whatever but there's a ton of really fun light-hearted star trek episodes where something affects the crew and they all are like acting crazy and silly or they go to some sort of like beach planet but it's always pretty horny and it's great (laughs) (laughs) it's always horny and it's great (laughs) and it's great (laughs) cool In anime and in manga, there's this trope of a beach episode. You've probably seen it. I have. I'm sure everyone knows. And it's just a thing that, for whatever reason, there's always a beach episode. All the characters are at a beach. They're having their beachy times. Even if it's a weird space sci-fi, there's still a beach episode. Gotta be beach (laughs) Even if you're on an apocalyptic place and you're you're having to fight monsters and demons, they somehow find a safe beach. 
to have a beach episode. (laughs) I love those, like, trope episodes, because they're always just, like... Nice... It's there for f- fan service, really. That's yeah, what yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice little breather. <laughs> and in this one, it was, it was just so fun. Like they're all <laughs> running around, and this episode actually has one of my favorite, like Ahura moments of the whole thing because. Sulu's like got her all like tucked up on like one side right next to his hip and he has a rapier out and he's all like I'll protect you fair maiden and then Ahura is just like sorry neither and like good life just claps back with sass and amazingness love that line and it actually only got through the censors because Nichelle Nichols ad-libbed it so it wasn't actually in the script which is Awesome. (laughs) Nice, nice. Good job. Good job with that. And a lot of times she actually gets to be the voice of reason between Kirk and Spock, which I find just so impressive for a show from this time because they, even though Spock is supposed to be an alien, they are two white presenting male characters. Yeah. So having a black woman be the one who brings down the overly emotional Kirk and kind of softens the overly logical Spock is a really beautiful kind of blend of character types. And I really love that that's how they represented her rather than making her a stereotypical character that would have kind of almost lessened the show. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if this was something that was to be made in current times, it's not up to standards that a lot of people hold Mm -hmm. but for what it was at the time and still looking back on it I think it's fair to say I can totally admire and appreciate what they were able to do Mm -hmm. it's not perfect but by damn Mm -hmm. if we can't find something we enjoy what's the point in liking anything (laughs) and although she does usually take the level-headed role she is given opportunities throughout the show to portray weakness and a softer side to her. We learn about her fears of growing old, which is definitely a sign of the era, and she gets to become a well-rounded character with depth and history. Mm-hmm. Another really good episode, another like surprisingly horny episode, <laughs> is called Mirror Mirror which is like a pop culture darling because this is the episode that brings in the the evil version of yourself has a goatee theory because in every evil person has weird facial hair exactly weird facial hair weird scars like this is the dark time an eye patch an eye patch bunch of cool stuff so Kirk they wear black yeah lots of lots of black this one actually has a different kind of outfit change. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> Kirk McCoy, Scotty, and Uhura all get trapped in a parallel universe that is much more violent and unforgiving than their own. In this episode, Uhura, in this new evil timeline, has to obviously fit in and be like evil Uhura. And it turns out that evil Uhura wears a battle crop top. <laughs> With a battle skirt and some boots with a knife in it. (laughs) I'm Googling this right now because I need to see the visual. 
like Uhura's bottoms are short on a good day, but they're kind of like a skort sort of thing. But like showing off her incredible set of abs and just how she, I look, she does got good abs. She is fit as hell. <laughs> I mean, she has to be given her position. She's not just there at a at a desk job. Like. No, no, she goes on the adventures <laughs> too, and so it's. <laughs> I feel bad that I love it so much. <laughs> it's like how I like the boob window of Power Girl. It's uh, like the like the theory behind it isn't good. And like as a feminist, I should not like it. But also, it's such a cool outfit and she looks so badass that I just can't help. You're like, I enjoy it. Isn't that enough? I just can't help but love her. And she just she gets to play so fun in this episode because while the boys are off doing like all the science stuff she has to be the distraction which that's kind of a role that i'm not really a huge fan of women having to get all the time in shows anyways when but they're that's... like i'm gonna distract the the male gay <laughs> yeah i'm gonna distract them with my sexy body uh but that's a whole other conversation because i love it in this episode <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yet again i feel bad because <laughs> i'm supposed to be a feminist hey but... <laughs> hey allison it's okay it's okay. I'm sure there's other people who view themselves as feminists who also enjoy similar things when they're like, you know what? I don't like that this is being sexualized, but for some reason, I am enjoying this particular thing. And you know what? I'm going to take it for what it is at my own face value and appreciate it. And that's okay, Allison. It's Yay. okay. You can still be supportive of your goals as a feminist and what you want to achieve, and it's okay to have the quote-unquote guilty pleasures. It's okay. And, well, I think it really comes down to the fact that she is the one with the power in the situation. Yeah. I think that if the situation had been even, like, slightly different or portrayed in a different way, it would have come off as being worse than what it did, because in this situation... Dark timeline Sulu has, like, this huge scar across his face. Again, horny Star Trek episode. And so Ahura keeps flirting with him and then, like, spurning him to, like, keep him focused on her so that he doesn't notice the other guys sneaking around the ship. So she'll flirt with him some more and then he'll flirt back and then she'll be like, mm, I changed my mind. <laughs> and then at one point, he actually starts getting, like, too handsy and so she, like, whips out her boot knife and, like, threatens him and just, like, pieces out and walks off the bridge. It's such a good... <laughs> you enjoy it. It's so enjoyable. And, yeah, I think that it really comes down to the power dynamics in the situation. Like, she wasn't necessarily forced to do this, but also nothing bad happened to her because she needed to be the distraction. And you got to see her be powerful and be assertive and be all of these things that a lot of times... Would you say she had agency? She had so much agency. She okay. had all the agency. Because that's, that's what I think is important, is a difference if this was where she had no agency and it was stripped away from her, versus if she did, Exactly. Then I just, I don't know. Yeah. So it's a really fun episode. It's decent for, like, a one-off, too, if you just want to, like, watch a fun old TV episode. It's a really, it's a really entertaining time. <laughs> The next episode we're going to talk about is going to get a little bit more into the kind of race dynamics of Ahura. Okay. Which we are talking about this as two white, white women. Women. 
I, white presenting women. Yes. I should say. Yes. White presenting. I am Metis, but I'm fucking white as shit. <laughs> and I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So a lot of what I'm going to say on this episode has been taken from conversations that I've had both online and in person and a couple different things that I've read on forums. If you have differing views or if anything that I say comes off as a, like offensive or misinformed, wrong, misinformed yeah. uh, definitely please email us. But I am going to do my best to represent this episode in a respectable, respectful and understanding way. So on a planet of androids in the episode I Mud, we meet a bunch of female androids that wish to use the Enterprise as a way to escape their planet. At one point, they tempt Uhura with the offer of joining them and giving her a synthetic body so that she may live forever. But as you can probably guess, all of the androids are white. Ah, yes. the issue is now said. Yes. Okay. Because although in this world, Uhura doesn't necessarily deal with racism, it is still a part of who she is. Her skin yeah. color is still her history. She is still, because she knows how to speak Swahili, she's still African. She is... She is who her body is in a way as well. And so it's this really interesting episode that kind of gets to that, which is the idea of racism and ageism in a world that is supposed to not have it. Is supposed to not have it. I found that it represented it in a very interesting way that kind of gets you thinking about that. Especially more. for the time, like considering when this episode aired. Yes. Racism was a lot different then than it is now. Racism is still something so many people are fucking dealing with. Yeah. It was a very it was a very different world, but there were still similar problems. Yeah. Which I think it was very many of the topics that Star Trek covers, especially in the original series, are it's impressive that a show at this time tried to represent these in a different light and in a different way and try to get people watching it and questioning their own beliefs and honestly just wanting to be better people one of the biggest reasons i love star trek is because it is a world where everybody strives to be better and to treat other people better and so this episode because not only does it deal with racism it definitely deals with ageism too the idea that aging women essentially don't exist in hollywood like mm. they don't exist in the world women are not allowed to age and so it's like not only are they offering a white body they are offering an ageless body and it just it brings up all of these <laughs> fears and like things that like women have to deal with <laughs> yeah no matter i think what the time period is we're not I think that maybe how some people viewed ageism, racism, sexism, whatever, back at the point when Star Trek was being made, still maybe stemmed from some differences. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some cases, things have kind of improved depending on your own point of view, depending on when you got brought up, like if you're born now versus if you were born 10 years ago, you're going to experience those things still yeah you just might get a different 
emotional pain Mm -hmm. and view on why it upsets you or why you think it's unfair. But at the end of the day, it's still an issue. Yes. (laughs) As women, there's definitely a thing of like, oh, you have wrinkles, like anti-aging cream and like take care of yourself so you look youthful younger. But yet you can look at a man that has salt and pepper hair or anyone that's male presenting, and you're like, oh, you're a finely aged wine. It's like, why can't we... Why can't women... Women presenting people be finely aged wine. Yeah. <laughs> like, why can't I be a really nice fermented pickle? Like, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I want to be a pickle. You know what I mean? Like, why can't I still be appreciated for the value I can bring outside of my youthful looks? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when someone's like, your clock is up can't bring yeah. babies guess you're not helpful to me it's like um yeah no and well on a superficial front if you have seen a current picture of nichelle nichols she's still fucking gorgeous like she's oh, stunning <laughs> she's like so tiny like she was already a very short person but i remember seeing her did she shrunk ago. more because of age because that happens when we get older did she like kind of probably get nice and she's so cute <laughs> nice and pocket sized yet <laughs> It was like I think well, it was not actually size, but. I think it was the first fan expo of Vancouver that we went to. She was there <gasps> as one of the guests and I remember seeing her with like all of these super tall bodyguards around <laughs> her cuz she had to walk through the floor to like get to the bathroom or something and she's this tiny little woman being escorted by these huge dudes and it was the Aww. funniest little like scene but she was like in there surrounded by these men like waving at everybody and smiling and just like I fucking hate ageism so much. I know. I don't want to take away because the other issue is obviously racism. Yes, obviously racism is the larger underlying issue here. Just know, in terms of the two things that we just brought up, I can bring forth my own personal feelings on ageism. And while I have feelings on racism as a white person, Mm -hmm. white presenting person, I don't. I'm not the target. Yeah. So I. I. I'm sorry for listeners, but I didn't want to personally talk in this point because I yeah. I don't have the experience. Exactly. And there are definitely places online where you can go and you can Tons. talk to people. You can even like read. Like There's lots of different Especially now because and... for anyone listening, it's not as soon as everything fucking started, but protests are still happening around the world, especially in the United States, mm-hmm. for Black Lives Matter. And there's tons of people talking about their experiences, coming forth with information, book recommendations, oh, so many like a books. lot of really good stuff. So if you want to be educated, look, don't look, don't look here. Don't no. look here. <laughs> look, don't look here for our opinions. <laughs> look, look to elsewhere. those yeah. who really have the information you need yes. to be informed. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully, if you're listening to this episode and you hear these stories and you want to go back and you want to watch these shows, there are a lot of really interesting, good episodes that you can that can raise questions and can raise feelings, and maybe you never thought about watching Star Trek before. And now you get to go watch it, and now you get to experience all of these feelings, and you get to have your own opinions on it. And yeah, and then tell us about it. Tell us about it. Please come and email us at thewenchbenchpod at gmail.com and yeah. provide us with your insight. Maybe tell us if we got something incorrect. Maybe. I would love yeah. to know. Back yes. to the conversation. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> 
all I can hope is that a couple of our listeners might hear this episode and want to go and do their own research and consume other media and go and look for other kind of conversations because I'm sure that there are tons of other podcasts, tons of posts. Oh yeah, like Minority so Corner. Things. Oh my gosh, I love that one. It's, it's so good. good. I, they talk They're about so, so fun. much stuff. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like just expand your worldview and watching these episodes definitely makes me do it especially redoing this research again it's made me go back and look at all of these things that I remember reading back when I had first seen it because pretty much every time I finish watching a Star Trek episode I go and look it up and I read things about its reception about what people thought about it mm-hmm. all of those things because Star Trek is a fucking global movement like <laughs> people fucking love Star Trek <laughs> yep and it's fun it's it's a really good way to have socially conscious discussions about topics you may not have thought about wanting to talk about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so there's that episode i think it's really good clearly she decides to keep her own body because she is who she is and she is proud of herself she's as a proud a... wonderful black woman exactly oh. she is like a whole package of amazingness and having a different body it might still be the same mind, but, like, it's she understands her. that it's not her. Yeah. And the best thing about her is that she's her, which yeah. is awesome. So that's a really good episode. Literally, if all you want to do is go and watch these episodes that I mentioned in this show, <laughs> then do it. Because they're pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> so now we're going to get into the Kiss episode. Ah! Which is problematic okay (laughs) why are you smiling because it's it's an incredibly important milestone in television history okay but it has issues with today's context it is very bad (laughs) okay so okay they're on a this is an episode called plato's stepchildren like the the philosopher. philosopher okay yes So the crew is trapped on a planet full of telekinetic aliens who say that they follow the teachings of Plato. When Kirk refuses to allow them to keep Bones as their doctor, they use their powers to humiliate the crew and force them to do things against their will. I see the problem. Yes. And basically these aliens, since they've become so powerful mentally, their bodies don't heal. And they don't have any healers on their planet. And so Bones being the doctor and being able to fix them, like, no problem. They're like, well, we want to keep them. And Kirk's like, fuck off. No. <laughs> they just go, are doctors not abundant in the Not w- on this planet. Like, Do they not they're have kind of ability to travel away and find doctors? No, not these aliens, apparently. I don't know. They're also lazy. and okay. You know how intellectuals can kind of get, like, a little closed-minded about certain things? Oh, these aliens are close-minded and think. Yeah. For instance, they're very close-minded because one of the people who was born on their planet, who was born without telekinetic powers, they, like, use him as a slave and, like, ostracize the shit out of him. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Gotcha! So, they're not good aliens. Nope. And the Enterprise in this series is also traveling to the far reaches of space. So this is kind of way out there this isn't where there is like the federation or anything like that this is like how did they know about plato 
I don't know. It's <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't about her, but I just wanted to. It's Star Trek. Maybe they picked up some crazy signal flying through space. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Plato was an alien. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> so both Shatner and Nichols knew how important having this interracial kiss was going to be and how it needed to be aired everywhere. So they intentionally messed up every take where they didn't kiss because a lot of times they will have different edits for different regions throughout the United States. And so they made it so that they could not edit this kiss out. Smart thinking in in that aspect. Yeah. Um, There's been a lot of back and forth whether or not the kiss actually happened. Like some people say that their lips did touch. Some people say that they didn't. You can't actually see because it kind of turns away from the camera. But that's one of those things that it's like, it doesn't really matter if it actually happened. What matters is that people think it happened. Yeah. And that this was the beginning of normalizing interracial couples on television. And this was syndicated on a broad too, scale. On a broad scale. Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons why this was for a long time considered the first interracial kiss on TV is because even though there were other ones, because Star Trek was in syndication, every like everybody could get it. Yeah. It was so broadly sent out there that, like, everybody could see this. And so that's why it's kind of... It's the most well-known, but it's not the first. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, But the situation in the actual storyline where it came about was the aliens were making them kiss. And they didn't want to. Consent issues. Lots of consent issues. And... Uh, Ahura at one point is like, because your whole body is being taken over, and she's like talking to Kirk about how she's scared, oh and God, he's trying that would to like give me like panic, like I yeah. can't even physically imagine watching this episode again in modern times. Did it make you uncomfortable? It makes me so uncomfortable because Spock and Nurse Chapel were also down there, and they were also being forced to kiss. And so, like, Ahura's saying how she's scared, and Kirk's, like, trying to fight it, and he's trying not to kiss her, because she clearly doesn't want him to kiss her. And Nurse Chapel says to Spock, For so long, I've wanted to be close to you, and now all I want to do is crawl away and die. <sighs> it's so sad, because, like, in the show, it's shown how Nurse Chapel loves Spock. Like, she's so in love with him, she wants to, like, be with him and everything, but then, like, when she finally gets the chance... It's, like, being forced on her, and it's being forced on him, and so he's not consenting to the kiss, and she's not consenting to it, and it's, like, it's such a interesting episode in the way that it's aged. Yeah, definitely not a... I'm sure there are people who can take a step back and just watch it, not comparing it to current times. Yeah. Or current standards, depending on your point of view, but... There is something to be said with the amount of effort that a lot of people discuss or try to bring forth about educating people about the importance of consent. As a teacher, I had a unit where we were trying to introduce the idea Mm -hmm. of what consent is. We didn't necessarily use that word because grade ones, you know, some of them are really smart and they had no problem being like, oh, consent, got it. But some people, you know, big words can be challenging depending Mm -hmm. on the child and what we were talking about is like, okay, let's talk about hugging because that's yeah. something so many kids either feel comfortable or not doing mm-hmm. is they want to hug people or they don't want to be hugged because they don't want to be touched or they yeah. don't want other people to come near them. 
So we were trying to teach a unit on like saying yes and saying no. Yeah. And if someone says yes, thank them, be appreciative. And if someone says no, don't have a fit. Don't be upset. Don't go coming to another adult being like this person wouldn't let me hug them. Yeah. And then trying to force that child to give this other person a hug when that child clearly is not comfortable with yeah. it. And so from a standpoint of consent in that lens, it's really important to have it be something normalized. Yes. And it's important to teach it in a non-sexual way to everybody. Yeah. Because I think that that's where a lot of people don't realize consent applies as well is for something as simple as hugging it's Mm -hmm. for something as simple as even sitting next to somebody on the bus yeah and i find a lot of people don't realize that what they're doing is infringing on that person's right to have their own control over what happens to themselves yeah (laughs) and rant over (laughs) unless you have anything more to say (laughs) no i I mean, I could. Yeah, there's but so much we could I, say. <laughs> I, I think um, for wanting to still try to be a fun, positive yes. as much as we can yep. and doing our best to be inclusive, I think, Allison, it is best <laughs> if we move on. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because it, given context, it had to be talked about. <laughs> well, it didn't have to be talked about, but... It, it should be talked about. It should not be something that we necessarily glaze over, but we'll focus on the good parts about it, which is the fact that this episode can spark conversation and change. Yeah. Which is something that I think any kind of socially conscious show or whatever should try and do, should strive for. Yes. So we're going to move on to the movies. The movies are so fun. They're such a good time. The movies are actually how I started getting into Star Trek. Okay. So... We watched all of the movies. I fell in love with the characters in their, like, older personalities. And then I went back. I watched the original series. I watched The Next Generation. I watched it all. It's great. These are how I fell in love. So if you do want to kind of dip your toe into Star Trek, definitely check out the movies. The first one, pretty long, pretty artsy, pretty drawn out. It was going against Star Wars at the time. So (laughs) it it had a hard run because Star Wars was so different it was big and booming it was big and booming um throughout the movies ahara again is presented level-headed all of those incredible things that we got to know her as through the show but she also gets to do so much more and you get to see ahara and the rest of the crew really kind of bond as a team like they're all of the actors are starting to get older they spent so much time together and they kind of understand each other more and so i feel like because of their relationship outside of the show, it kind of made it more of a fun vibe. Oh. Okay, so I'm going to, weirdly enough, talk about there are two big moments in the Star Trek movies that I want to talk about, specifically to do with Ahura. She does do a bunch of other stuff, but the first I want to talk about is in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, at one point, the crew has to land to get somewhere and they land a little bit too far away and so they have to commandeer some rides some horses okay and so they want to distract the people who have the horses and so okay ahura does a sexy fan dance (laughs) okay (laughs) 
and I know that I've shown you the video before, but yeah, yeah, this dance has been done and like made fun of and like parodied and stuff like all over the internet. I think it's a funny moment. Like it's kind of cringy a little bit, like as far as feminism goes, <laughs> and as far as like objectifying women goes. But it's fun. She brings out these big like palm leaf fans, and she does this like pretty dance. And they all come, like, scrambling at the dune towards her. She's backlit by the moon. She looks gorgeous. <laughs> it's a beautiful, fun scene. And then as they get to the top of the dunes, she looks down and she says, I've always wanted to play for a captive audience. <laughs> because now they're captives. <laughs> ah, like it. <laughs> smart wit (laughs) it's very fun like again it's one of those things that like you can be critical of it but you can also enjoy it like we were talking about earlier so i am critical of it but i also enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) and then the next movie that i want to talk about that if you're gonna watch any star trek movie i would suggest watching star trek 4 the voyage home Which, as kind of a general rule of thumb, the even-numbered movies are the best. So you have... For Star Trek specifically? For Star Trek specifically. Okay. So the first one's okay. The second one is Wrath of Khan. It's amazing. The third one is The Search for Spock. It's okay. And then you have The Voyage Home. Amazing. Again. And then there's The Final Frontier, which has the weird fan dance in it. (laughs) Again, decent movie, but, um, eh. (laughs) <laughs> and then the last one is called The Undiscovered Country, which is also very fun. Oh, like, okay. so it kind of bounces back and forth. Like, gotcha. they, hit, they hit the nail on the head, and then they, they miss a little bit. And then they do good, and then they miss a little bit. <laughs> the premise of The Voyage Home is that something is attacking Earth, and it's sending out this signal, and it's shutting down all of the like power like any power system including that of spaceships like all of that stuff it's shutting it all down because this signal is doing damage to everything and so uhura translates this signal and with the help of spock they realize that this signal is searching for a response from a humpback whale (laughs) which is extinct in this point in time is the signal also from a humpback whale it's from an alien. I guess the aliens want to communicate with the humpback whales. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> or it's from this thing. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've watched it. I can't remember why it is that this alien wants a humpback craft whale. wants to talk to a humpback whale, but it does. Okay. <laughs> and so, obviously, the crew of the Enterprise, who are currently on a Klingon vessel called the Bounty, decide that. The clear thing that they have to do is slingshot around the sun and time travel (laughs) (laughs) back in time to when Earth still had humpback whales. Okay. So. Okay. So they do that. (laughs) And they time travel back to the 21st century and shenanigans ensue because you have a bunch of people from like super far in the future having to like walk around earth of like i think it's the 80s Uh (laughs) and it's fucking wonderful like the whole time spock has like a robe piece wrapped around his head so that you can't see his ears and he's dressed in his like robe so he kind of looks like almost monk-like walking around the city of san francisco (laughs) okay 
And so they all go on their shenanigans, and Uhura and Chekhov are actually partnered together. Oh! So Chekhov is the Russian one, and uh, yeah, I bet you can guess yeah. how a Russian and a black woman are treated. Yeah! <laughs> In the yeah. 80s, while they're breaking on to a military base oh. to steal. <laughs> um, so they have to sneak on to this military base in order to recharge their dilithium crystals so that they can then power their spacecraft to get home. Cool. <laughs> so cool. it's great, right? <laughs> Got it. Um, nothing horrible happens to them, but obviously, like, they're attacked and Chekhov kind of sacrifices himself. He's like, no, like, you're needed back on the Enterprise because you're better at doing this. Like, you need to go back because your skill set is more important to be back on the ship than mine is. Because they can only be transported back one at a time. Mm. And so Chekhov say, like, stays behind. And Uhura goes back to the ship to like do her science duties, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, but now you have a Russian man from the future being interrogated by American military police. <laughs> and uh. Kirk, in, Kirk and Spock are in charge of like getting the whales and so like kirk woos some like whale scientist lady who eventually comes back to the back to the future with them and spock mind melds with a whale <laughs> and my favorite part which oddly enough doesn't have to do with ahura but one of the best parts of this movie that in order just to entice more people to watch this movie okay uh bones the doctor ends oh, up i like him he's so good he ends up going to a hospital a okay. 21st century hospital. Oh! And he runs into this old lady <laughs> in the hallway, and he's like, oh, what's wrong with you? And she's like, oh, I'm, like, going in for dialysis. And he's like, dialysis? <laughs> well, like, he's so scared here. I'm gonna, let me just grab a little video for Fonda. <laughs> what's the matter with you? Kidney dialysis. Dialysis? My God, what is this, the dark ages? Here. You swallow that, and if you have any problems, just call me. Bones going oh in and fucking God. up a whole hospital. <laughs> He's just like, dialysis! Here, take this. Pats her on the cheek. Call me if you need anything. Grows an old lady a new kidney. She's fine. And is looking at all these other doctors like they're freaking insane for their methods. Which, like, to be fair, they don't know any better. They don't know any better. But also, Bones <laughs> is not the type to not hold back his opinions on the incorrect procedures yeah. of the 80s. Yeah. And to not help either, right? Like Yeah. Look, the prime directive out the goddamn window. Like here's a pill, grow a new kidney. Like what the fuck bones? <laughs> like, Here, take this. You're not supposed to like <laughs> help people in the past. Yeah, like you're not supposed to, well, just kind of period. Like they're not supposed to interfere in not as established societies. Yeah. So, like, they're not supposed to make contact with societies that don't have space travel or anything like yeah. that. And so it's like, this spaceman comes in and fucking heals a bunch of people and, like, <laughs> does all this. So, this movie is just, it's it's a fun movie. It's a fun ride. 
you get, like I said, you get Ahura and Chekhov off on their own, like, military adventures, like, running around. Um, at one point, I believe it's Scotty who accidentally gives the recipe for a very thick, strong plexiglass to a guy because, like, it doesn't exist and they need it to build a tank in the spaceship. Um, <laughs> and so he's like, oh, well, we'll just make this like this. So it's, like, essentially plastic glass that's very thin but also hard enough and strong enough to hold water. And this guy's like, this shit doesn't exist. And he's like, what? It does now. <laughs> We're just going to change the period of when this thing was invented <laughs> to benefit the mission. So cool. it's such a fun movie. And you get, yeah, you get to see the whole crew getting along. They all have fun. They end up getting the whale back. Oh, yeah. Put it in the water. They bring it back. It has a baby. Like... <laughs> It's wonderful. They bring back some lady from the past to the like far distant She's future. She's gonna have a hard adjustment period. She is, but she made a very good point because she is also a really badass fictional female because she's like, is there anybody in the future who knows anything about a fucking humpback whale? <laughs> <laughs> and Kirk's like, oh shit, no. She's like, yeah, like, I'm coming because I'm gonna keep this whale alive in the future. And it's it's awesome. It's such a fun movie. It's great. <laughs> Go watch it. <laughs> It's 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 so good. Ahura's Ahura's incredible. And for all of the reasons stated above. That's why we're talking about her. Exactly. Exactly. She's a fabulous fictional female character. Yes. Ahura. Ahura. <laughs> and that's everything. That's all my notes. I just love her so much. Aww. Most of my information today came from the web pages Memory Alpha, Wikipedia, IMDb, and sci-fi.com. 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 And of course, your own experience from watching it. Yeah, my own experiences, a little bit of things from different pages, discussion groups, Tumblr, forums, those kinds of things, like stuff I've listened to over the years because I do really try and get like other people's opinions on different characters and things I would really love it if anybody actually bothers to listen to this episode and has had these kinds of experiences with her I'd love to chat about her with you because I could talk about her forever <laughs> and just to hear somebody else's experience because my experience is limited. I am such a huge fan of her because she's a powerhouse woman, but I'd be curious to see what other people's experiences are. Yeah. I just love her. She's just so cool. <laughs> yeah. So was there anything else you wanted to ask me, Fonda? Did we cover it all pretty much? <laughs> you covered a lot of ground. I think a lot of questions I had mid me thinking of how to ask them you suddenly answered them so i'm like okay cool i just yeah reading your mind from the computer G yeah i <laughs> great <laughs> great great host of the show <laughs> all right well then fonda what are you excited about right now <gasps> okay so the final season of she-ra princess of power on netflix comes out may 15th oh so I'm not sure. Maybe it'll be out already by the time this airs because we're recording it 
a little earlier or maybe it'll just I, I don't know I don't know regardless it comes out May 15th 2020 final season I'm so excited I really need to watch it I need to see what's gonna happen I need all of these characters to be happy and okay I know I'm so scared <laughs> uh, and I want I want the horde from the Shira planet to get together with the one princess whose name I'm blanking on and I feel really bad about it, but Entropta? she's all mechanical. Yeah, Entropta. I want that Horde character because he's not the main Horde because there's Horde Prime. Yeah. Fuck it, I don't care. I just want Horde and Entropta. <laughs> I know. They're so cute together and he's so sad when she quote unquote uh, betrays him because Catra lied. And, oh, I love them together so much. They're so cute. I know. I know, and I'm just excited for the show. I I am excited for something that isn't just going to be me kind of doing reruns a little bit at this point. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, dear listeners, you can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Please make sure to rate and subscribe if you haven't already. We've gotten two really sweet reviews and comments on Apple Podcasts, which is great, but we'd love to hear more. I see that like our number, our five star, we have more people that have like rated us, but I'd love to actually get some comments and just hear from other people. Yes. You can also follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram at WenchBenchPod. And if you want to reach out, you can send us an email at WenchBenchPod at gmail.com. All of the art for the WenchBench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Reken. I love her. You can find her on Twitter at WhereVile. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This is the record button. It is time to test the mics. Test the mics. Dun, dun, dun.